you would, turn to Philippians chapter 4. I have a long title. Some important verbs for Christian living. It's longer than my usual titles. I guess I could have just said verbs for Christian living, but there are a lot more than just the verbs we're going to look at today. But our text is going to be here in Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to look at the verbs that are mentioned here, verses 1 through 9, that kind of jumped out at me in a way that they hadn't really jumped out before. And it's kind of funny uh, how the Lord works that way sometimes. You can read a passage many, many times and think, well, I squeezed every bit of juice I can out of that, and then all of a sudden you're like, wow, there's a lot more there than we realize. And this is a very familiar passage of Scripture. Let's go ahead and read verses 1 through 9 here, Philippians 4. Therefore, my beloved, therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and that includes Wilbur and Devin over here, and longed for, when you're not here, we would like you to be here. For my joy and crown. So stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Yodius and beseech, uh, I'm going to butcher this one, Syntyche, and that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labor with me in the gospel with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. See, I told you this was a familiar passage. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received, and heard, and seen in me, do. And the God of peace shall be with you. In these verses, Paul gives several instructions to the church at Philippi. It's interesting because we were talking about the church in Thessalonica this morning. But now let's switch to Philippi. And I want to notice some particular verbs in these passages of Scripture and I want to break them down as we go verse by verse here. And we're going to start, of course, in verse number one. And the verb that we want to look at in verse one is stand. Therefore, my brethren, beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Here in this verse, Paul speaks many encouraging words to the Philippian saints to make them feel loved by both Paul and then, you know, of course, 
to feel loved by the Lord. You know, when the saints of God feel loved by their spiritual leaders and faith, they are reassured of God's love as well. So it's important for ministers to let their congregation know that they're loved. And an important way of showing love is by presenting the scriptures in truth. If you care, you truly care, just as Paul obviously truly cared, because he says, my brethren dearly beloved and longed for. He loved them and longed for them and wanted to be with them and wanted what was best, not just physically or materially, but more importantly, spiritually. He told them the truth. Right. He made sure, just as we were discussing this morning when we were talking about the Antichrist, the man of sin. Paul wanted the church in Thessalonica to know the truth. They had been taught the truth in 1 Thessalonians, the first letter written to them. Somewhere along the line, some false teaching entered its way in, and some false believing in that false teaching. And they needed to be reminded in the second letter of what Paul had told them in the first. And he only did that because he loved them and cared for them. So we see that here in Philippians, in chapter 4, and verse 1. He loved them and longed for them and wanted what was best for them. And so he encouraged them to stand fast, not hold on to worldly possessions or money or anything like that. He wanted them to stand fast in the scriptures. That was his desire. Perhaps I failed in showing that we, and expressing my love for all of you, but I want you to know that I do love each and every one of you. Likewise. <laughs> That's on tape. Brother Pyle said he loved me. Can't take it back now. Wait, when I get home, I'm going to put this on a podcast so even more people can hear it. <laughs> See, I'm feeling encouraged now. See? Apostle Paul was right. I care about spiritual growth and progress. I want everybody to grow and to progress in the Lord and to have faith in him and to trust and rely on him and i want folks to enjoy coming and and, and listening to his word that's what right. i that's my desire because we need to hear his word we need to grow together in what his word has for us i care about the judgment seat of christ and when we all stand before the lord and give an account of our ministry each and every one of us. You don't have to be a pastor to have a ministry. Every person here has a personal ministry, and we're going to give an account one day to him. And I want everyone here to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's, I would love for that to happen. I, that's my desire for everyone here. And Paul is expressing that. He cares for them and wants them to know the truth and to perform it. Not just be hearers only, but doers as well. So Paul gives this exhortation to stand. But to stand in the Lord. 
not stand in their own strength, not stand in the strength of Paul or a pastor or a missionary. He wants them to stand in the strength of the Lord. Every letter Paul writes, it wasn't Paul saying, yeah, sure, he said, I've taught you these things, but what did he teach them? He wasn't giving them his opinion. He was giving them the words that the Lord wanted them to have, and he wanted them to stand in the Lord, not in him. Paul repeatedly, constantly preached how he had to bring his body under subjection and had a hard time being faithful to the Lord. And I know I should be doing some things and it's hard for me to do them, but then the things I know I shouldn't do, well, that's easy for me to do. And he knew his shortcomings. Sometimes I'm afraid preachers don't know we have shortcomings. Right. We don't do everything right. I know I don't. I'm not even close. Nowhere close. My faith is pretty pitiful sometimes. We try to put our worth in other things when really we need to find our worth in the Lord. And that's a shortcoming that we all have. Me in particular. We think we get our worth from, well, I don't want to go off. There's that rabbit again. Shoe rabbit. I'm not going to chase you now. In the context of, man, we got to move. I'm only halfway through this page. In the context of chapter 3, we need to stand against evil workers who are perverting the gospel of Christ. Just as he was having to deal there in the, with the church in Thessalonica who was perverting God's word. Paul, of course, with Philippi, every, every church has to deal with those that are perverting the gospel, perverting God's word in some form or fashion. We're to stand with the saints of God that are doing the right thing and teaching the right things. And we're to use them as examples. And Paul uses examples constantly and, and gives thanks to those faithful ministers that are constantly preaching the truth or who are constantly by his side and ministering to him or those he's left uh, to minister to mission points or pastors of churches and things of that nature. He's constantly thankful to God for those faithful folks who stand. We need people that are going to stand. And what does stand mean? It means those that don't waver and those who aren't faltering. Now, when we talked this morning in Sunday school, we talked about those that do not have the deeply rooted fundamental grounding in God's word. That much like the palm trees we have here, a hurricane can come and blow through 180 mile per hour winds and blow over every tree, but there's those palm trees because they're deeply rooted. And not the, I don't care how strong the wind gets, they're going to stand. We need to be like that. Standing for the Lord. We only get that way by entrenching ourselves in God's words. Like the wise man built his house upon the rock. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. And along comes the wind and the rain. And just sand gets washed away. And down crumbles the building that was built on the sand. But those that are built on the rock are strong. And are able to stand. That means we're not double-minded. 
you can't have one foot over here and then another foot over there, you're going to lose your balance. You're not going to be able to stand very well. Someone is going to be able to come right over and knock you over. You can't be double-minded. You can't be tossed to and fro. You have to pick a point and make a stand. Hopefully it's a stand in God's word. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. There are doctrines coming at us from all different directions. Man has certainly come up with a lot of false teachings and they're blowing a lot of hot air all over the place. So we need to be rooted and grounded in the Lord's word so we can stand against these winds of doctrine. Let's finish reading the verse. By the slight of men and cunning craftiness. Boy, they know exactly what to say to plant seeds of doubt in order to win your mind over to what they are teaching. That makes me think of in Genesis when the serpent was subtle, more subtle than any creature. The devil is not an idiot. and He knows how to cast doubt in our minds. There are those that are just lying in wait to deceive. So we need to stand as opposed to sitting or laying down. I love a good sit. I love to sit down. I love to lay down even more. <laughs> I haven't mentioned this one in a while, but when we go to Yoder's, there in Sarasota, it's been a while, but when we go there, there's a sign on the wall that says, the best times in life are spent doing nothing. <laughs> that sounds good to me. I have my nice, comfy recliner at my house, and there's nothing I like more than putting my feet up. There comes a time when we have to stand. Right. And we can go back to David and his mighty men that we studied couple of times over the course of the years and there was the guy who had to guard the pea patch I said I'd rather guard the steak patch <laughs> but he was given by his king a designated area to guard and he did all that he had to do to protect that plot of land even though it was a pea patch we need to do the same thing. And we don't need folks that say, oh, there was one of the mighty men who said, who killed, what was it, 800 or something? I can't remember now. I wish I'd have written this down when I thought of it. It just popped in my mind just now. He didn't stop and say, I killed one. Pat me on the back. Oh, there's two. Oh, there's 100. No, he just kept going. Didn't look around. Anybody see that? <laughs> I'm on a roll here. Nope, he just kept fighting. Kept standing didn't require pats on the back and a way to go and keep up the good work those things are nice and i want to encourage you all certainly but we shouldn't need those things because we should want to be faithful to the lord no matter what stand there are so many folks that are laying down on the job 
reminds me when they were about in, in Joshua when they were going to go and take the land. They were going to have to go in and fight. And a couple of the tribes were like, yeah, you know, we like this land here and it's good for our cattle. And we're just going to, we're going to go ahead and stay here. But y'all, good luck with that. And Joshua's like, are you really going to sit here while your brethren go to war? Really? Well, there are a lot of folks doing that today. Sometimes we sit on the sidelines and think, yes, eh, somebody else will take care of it. I don't have to do that. Well, if that somebody else is supposed to be you. Well, if the next person says the same thing, and then the next person says the same thing, and then all of a sudden, nothing's getting done. Now, as much as I love doing nothing, there's times when we got to get to work. Right. And if we don't do it, no one else is going to do it. How many have left their posts? Eh, don't feel like doing it today. How many pillars of faith has you know, fallen from their steadfastness? I've seen folks that were so preachers that were so faithful and sound, and they go off on one thing, and sometimes they get corrected and come back, and sometimes they don't. A lot of folks have fallen off. Don't <coughs> sit down and don't lie down. Take a stand. Standing also implies posture. Good soldiers. At the ready. If you're sitting down or you're lying down, you're not going to be in a position to defend anything. Because you're going to have to take the time to get up and find your weapon, which should be the sword of the Spirit, God's Word. Oh, if you're laying down, odds are you're going to want to be a little bit comfortable, which means I don't need the armor, which means we're not going to have the armor of God all girded up because we're too busy laying down right. and being lazy. So standing implies posture like a good soldier, ready, armored up, weapon on our side, ready to fight. That's what we need ready to guard against the onslaughts of the devil. Standing also implies perseverance. It's not easy to just stand. Have you ever just stood, just like this, and not moved? Your legs get tired. Your back gets tired. <laughs> it's not an easy thing. You think, oh, well, you're just kind of just standing here, not really doing anything, but you get tired. And you think, oh, I just want to sit down. I want to sit down. I remember I used to keep track of the amount of steps I would take. And I find myself feeling better when I was walking than just standing. If I'm standing at one spot for a long period of time, it's hard. It just feels so much better and it makes you feel easier to move. But standing fast shows perseverance. The soldiers who have done all to stand in the heat of battle, doing whatever they had to do, but also in times of peace as well. We need to be ready to stand. Right. Sometimes when it's a time of peace, that's when we're so easily duped because we're not on our guard. 
And all of a sudden, those false doctrines can kind of just slip right on in there because we don't have our guard up. Ephesians 6, verse 13, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. Not, you can't just have some of it. Not, I don't need all of this today. I'm going to take some of this off or all of it off so I can get some rest. You got to have it on. You got to be ready. The whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand. And notice how it doesn't just say withstand in the day. It says the evil day. Now we just talked about the man of sin that's going to come in the tribulation period, which we won't, will not be here for that. I get that. But what was his name that we read in 2 Thessalonians this morning? Wicked. And it was a capital W because it was his name. He was the personification of evil and of wickedness. His name's Wicked. What day are we in now? We're in an evil day. Right. And it's paving the way for the return of Christ and the tribulation period and the wicked man of sin, the son of perdition. But we're in an evil day now. And it's setting all of this stuff up. So we need to stand. We may be the only ones standing. Notice how, how verse 13 here of Ephesians 6 is written here that ye, it's not y'all, talking about one ye you that you we may be by ourselves physically from a humanly standpoint god's with us but we may be it just may be us no guy over here and no guy over there but we have the lord here so we need to be able to stand in the evil day, having done all to lay down, to sit. No, it says having done all to stand. Stand in the Lord and the power of his might. We are responsible to stand as believers. Yeah, we do not stand in our own strength. We need to understand that. The second we are relying on our own strength to be able to stand, we're going to blow over and be pushed over. We can't do it on our own. We must stand in His power and in His might, the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells in us, that He's given to His people. If there ever was a day... When God's people need to stand, it is today. And the Apostle Paul was encouraging the church of Philippi to stand. That was a long time ago. And things have just gotten worse since this letter was written. And this letter wasn't just written for the church of Philippi. It was written for us. Because we need to stand. And if there ever was a time that we need to stand, it is now, for all the reasons that we already covered this morning in Sunday school, are we going to fall away also? God forbid. Let's go to verse 2 of Philippians 4. 
and names here. I beseech Eodius and that guy. This name's hard to pronounce. That ye, and we're going to look at the word be. We got to be something. That ye be of the same mind in the Lord. Be all that you can be. Now we know that that phrase has been on advertisements for joining the army, of course. But it's applicable as we are soldiers of the Lord. And we need to be all that we can be. We need to... And I don't want to spend a whole lot of time here because, oh boy, time is escaping uh, quickly. But there were, obviously these, these two <coughs> were at odds with one another. And they weren't exactly seeing eye to eye. And part of being is uni unification and unifying and being of one accord and of one mind. And we can't be if we're not together. United we stand, and divided we're going to fall. Well, that's on the Kentucky state flag. Now I know I have a soft spot there. But it's still true. If we're going to be anything as a church, we need to be united. The state of being that believers in the Lord's church need to be in is the same mind. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So we need to be in one mind that is the mind of Christ. It's not just enough to be unified. Guess what? You can be unified in something sinful, something wicked, something wrong, a false teaching or doctrine. So we need to be of one mind in the things of Christ. We need to have Christ's mind in us. Be in one mind, one heart, one accord, one purpose, and one goal. Philippians chapter 2, verse 2, Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. And of course, that mind should be that of the mind of Christ. We cannot do this if we allow petty, carnal, strife, and contention between members get in the way and cause problems. All it takes is one small little germ entering in a human body to cause a lot of unrest and pain and discomfort and illness and sickness. Have you ever gotten a paper cut? It's not, you don't need stitches. You really, you don't need any medicine. It's just, but it hurts. It's a nuisance. 
and it seems like everything you touch, you bump that paper cut and it hurts all over again. It's always in the most inconvenient spot, but it affects the whole body because you're babying it and you're watching it and you're making sure you don't bump into it and it's all you're thinking about and it affects everything else. You're distracted. All it takes is one little issue, one little problem, and everything gets out of whack. Our attention gets diverted from the things of the Lord to the problem that we're facing, and we're not really being as useful to the Lord as we could be. Because we've allowed contention and division and strife or whatever to come in and, and disrupt the unity. There's no being. There's no unity. So we need to be of the same mind in the Lord. Verse 3. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow. That's a word that doesn't get used enough. I like it. Fellow laborer. We have that yoke of labor on us. We're digging trenches. We're digging up dirt, planting seed. Lord bringeth the increase. But we need help doing it, don't we? We can't do it all on our own. So fellow or true yoke fellow, not pretend yoke fellow either. Right. That are pretending or maybe secretly trying to do things to hinder the true work. Are those that just don't care about it at all and aren't laying down and not standing. We're talking about true yoke fellow here. Help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Now, I like it again, but we don't really know who Paul is addressing in this verse. I'm sure they knew obviously. But we have Paul's exhortation here to help. And isn't that a good thought? The church needs helpers. Those who labor in the things of the Lord need help. As strong spiritually speaking as, as Paul was as the Lord had blessed him immensely to be a wonderful missionary and God used him in a great and spectacular way Paul knew he had his shortcomings and Paul constantly and go read Colossians specifically chapter 4 and one of my favorite studies is forgotten faithful servants he lists several there in Colossians 4 and he thanks them for their faithfulness and one of them in particular was, again, Luke, the beloved physician. Tychicus, who we studied in great de detail, who delivered a lot of letters. I think he delivered this letter to the Philippians. Um, Paul couldn't do it on his own. Right. And he was fully aware that he couldn't do it on his own. And he constantly thanked God and gave recognition to those who were faithful in helping him. And being... Faithful in helping Paul is, of course, being faithful in helping the work of the Lord. And Paul recognized that. There are those that are mentioned one time, two times, maybe, in Scripture, and there's not a whole lot we know about them, but we know they helped Paul. That's important. 
We don't have a lot of background on a lot of these different characters, but we know what was important. There are a lot of spiritual consultants today. What do I mean by that? Consultants are people who will advise people on how to perform a task. Usually they don't end up doing it themselves. <laughs> there are a lot of spiritual consultants out in this world today. We should be doing it this way. Well, why don't you get your hands dirty and help us do it? There's too many chiefs, not enough Indians. I've used that phrase several times over my professional career. I don't need any more people telling me what to do. I need some people that's going to help me do it. How about that? Now, of course, I'm not saying consultants don't have their place. They do. But consulting will only take you so far. You can put forth the idea, but at some point you have to put it into action. And we need not just hearers or even speakers, but we need doers. Yeah. Pray the Lord of the harvest to send consultants? Is that how that goes? Nope. Laborers. <laughs> we need someone that's ready to uh, work in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. <laughs> verse 28. And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Uh, so we have a lot uh, listed here. But notice the one I want to zero in on here in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 28. Notice there, right after the gifts of healings, what do you see? Helps. A helper someone that can offer helps I don't know how many times I've read this scripture and I always say see you don't have to be a pastor to help but I've never noticed the word helps there before <laughs> I mean we have quite the list here right there towards the end we just have helps Doing whatever you got to do. I don't care if it's running the vacuum. I don't care if it's preaching. I don't care if it's saying a word of prayer. Just helping. Amen. Do you ever notice that almost every time that Bartholomew is ever mentioned in Scripture, it's usually with the word and in front of his name. <laughs> I find that extremely interesting. Uh, in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 3, it says, Philip, comma, and Bartholomew. It's like he doesn't get 
Bartholomew. It's and Bartholomew. How about Acts chapter 1 and verse 3 says Bartholomew and Matthew. So he's always listed with somebody else. It's never just Bartholomew. Poor old Bart. <laughs> he's always amongst a list. But we need people that just, all right, I'll get in there. I'll rub elbows. I'll get my hands dirty. I'll do whatever needs to be done. I'll be a part of the group. I don't need to be the center of attention. Just what needs to be done? Let's work together and do this. Right. He's never spoken of alone. Always part of a group. And we need laborers that are just happy to be a part of the group. The body. So often we have people that want to be the head. We're not supposed to be the head. The Lord's the head. So we need to back off. Just be happy to be part of the body. And let's perform our function together in unity, having the same mind, who's the head, Christ. Right. Let's just do that. Right. It's going to be impossible to go back to verse 1 of Philippians, verse chapter 4. It's going to be hard to stand if not every part of the body is functioning the way it needs. It just takes one little thing to be out of whack. Where you, i got to lay down. i got to sit down. I don't feel so good. Unity is important. These verbs that we're reading about here in Philippians 4 are extremely important. So it's good to have some Bartholomews. I don't care if they're a pinky toe, something that seems so insignificant. If you take someone's pinky toe away and how good your balance going to be. Not very good. Even the pinky toe is extremely critical to our balance and being able to stand and being able to walk in faith. Pinky toe gets taken for granted. I'm pro-pinky toe. It's my platform. Bartholomew is always ready. To jump in. It's like when Mark Lowry, you know, when he was talking about how he got in trouble, and he said that he sassed his mom and his dad picked him up from school and he said, Dad, can I drive home from school? And the dad said, Get in the car. <laughs> Been there. Because all of a sudden I remember what I'd done. He'd forgotten that he sassed his mama that morning. Isn't that kind of typical? We, we sin and then as time elapses, we forget what we had done against the Lord. And he goes, we're not going to church. The problem was they always went to church. And Mark Lowry says, if the preacher was going to wash the windows on Thursday night, we filled our pew and we watched him do it. <laughs> well, that's hilarious and I find humor in it. There's a problem with it, too. Preacher doesn't have to wash. Preacher shouldn't be washing the windows. Why don't you jump up and take the sponge away from him? Go get the squeegee from the preacher and say, well, how about you go study a little bit? I'll take care of this. Yeah, I mean, just... There's a lot of problems I have with that. Go buy a tie. Or a shirt that you can button so you can put a tie on. Credit Devin. 
Love you. I lost my last friend. A church needs helpers. And there are things that everyone can do. But we'll pick up with verse 4 some other time. Maybe Wednesday. Maybe I'll preach this Wednesday evening during our broadcast. But maybe we need, need to be looking for things to do. Sometimes we're just sitting there waiting for someone to tell us. <clears throat> it always used to drive me crazy. I'm like, I don't need to hold your hand. If you see something that needs to be done, like, hey, how about we just do it? Why? People need their hand held or they want to be asked because it's them being recognized or something. I don't know. I've always been of the mindset, if I see something, let's just do it. Get the work done. That way we don't have to worry about it anymore and we know that it's finished. Sometimes that's just not good enough for folks. They have a need or a want uh, to be asked to get some kind of recognition or attention of some sort. Let's just do it. Help. You know, if we see someone drowning, what good are we if we're just going to stand there and watch them? Jump in. Help. Don't just stand on the sidelines. If we see a problem, do something about it. Pastor, would you dismiss in prayer?